For most of us, when it comes to faith, there are times that we have some doubts. So today on Bridges, we'll be talking about dealing with doubt. I'm Monica Schmelter, and I'm glad that you could join us today for Bridges, where we bring you hope for the journey. Today on Bridges, we're talking about dealing with doubt. And my guest today is a musical artist. He's also a professor, and he's written a book, and we'll talk a little bit about that. But our theme for today is dealing with doubt. And Jason, it's good to have you on Bridges today. I'm very happy to be here. Thank you. So I should say it's Dr. Jason Lee McKinney. It is, yeah. (laughs) And your book is Deconstructing a Disciple's Doubt. And I'm glad that you wrote that, Jason, because for so many of us, right, even if we have faith, Sometimes we have doubts and some people are so concerned to admit that they have doubts that they end up deconstructing their faith in a way that's really dangerous. What prompted you to even think about the subject of doubt? Well, two things, two sources. One is my own struggle with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, my wife is somebody who has a, I, they have the, she has the gift of faith. She always just, it, it's never a struggle for her. Mm-hmm. But for me, my faith, I've had to talk myself back into many times. And the Lord has always been faithful. I've been able yes. to do that. But it's not something that comes easy for me. Gotcha. So the first source was my own doubt. Mm-hmm. And then second would be as a professor, as a music artist, I see so many young people who don't think they have intellectual grounds to stand on mm-hmm. for their faith. And they look at the world around them, that which is telling them that faith is silly, that believing God is not intellectually viable. And they just believe that right. without really diving into it. Yeah. Well, and that happens a lot, right? Mm-hmm. When kids get out of high school and go to college, after college, they no longer have faith. Right. So I would say, Jason, I'm probably more like your wife. I've always just had faith. Mm-hmm. You know, even when I wasn't willing to give my heart to Christ, I always believed in God. I believed that Jesus was the son of God. And so I don't have doubts in that regard. But I have many, many people in my family who really struggle, who really try to like figure it out or you you know what I'm saying? So I'm glad we're talking about this because I think it's more common than not for people to have doubts. And like you shared, uh, you've had some yourself and God's been faithful and walks you back into faith. But what are like some of your doubts and what do you hear from your students? For me, the biggest one is just like, why am I here? What Mm -hmm. is the purpose? Um, What does it mean? Uh, how do I know for sure? Mm-hmm. And the reality is we can't know for sure, but we have evidence. And when you start to stack the evidence up, I believe I found that the evidence for God far outweighs the evidence against. And as far as students, it's just sort of their biggest problems are, uh, you hear a lot about the problem of evil. If God is good, then why is there so much evil in the world? Why is there so much suffering? Or a bigger one that's becoming more and more popular is if God is a loving God, why does he tell me no? Yeah. And, and that's the, one of the biggest ones now. And it can be around a number of subjects, but if God loved me, he wouldn't tell me no. Right. And I, I think that that becomes especially hard or can be when a person has a crisis mm-hmm. and, you know, you see one person pray for healing for a family member and that family member gets healed. But this person also loves Jesus and they prayed and they fasted and it just did whatever got community of people to pray and their family member doesn't get healed. Right. 
that can be hard for people if you face that kind of a crisis. Yeah. Do you see that a lot? Yeah. In fact, I see a lot of deconstructions that, you know, doubt can lead to deconstruction. Mm -hmm. And there's all these intellectual questions, which I've had, you know, the metaphysics and the epistemology and all the fancy Mm -hmm. philosophy words, which I have. But most of the time with my own and what I've seen with people underneath that, if you peel the layers Mm -hmm. back, it really comes down to some sort of personal experience that hurt them. Yes. That, that emotionally damaged them, mm-hmm. whether that be, like you said, a family member who passed away and they prayed hard or some sort of church hurt that's legitimate or some sort of uh, thing in their life that they caused themselves because there's different kinds of crises. There are crises that are crises that happen to us yep. and there's ones that we cause ourselves. Mm-hmm. But at the end of it and at the bottom of it, most doubt and deconstruction comes from some sort of personal experience. Yeah. And that's why I so wanted to have you on the on the show today, Jason, is that, you know, so many people struggle with doubts. And so many of you watching have shared that you have church hurt that's caused you to walk away from faith. Others, you know, how could a loving God allow my child to die or so-and-so uh, prayed and that they were struggling with infertility. They got pregnant. Mm-hmm. We can't get pregnant. How do you, you know, how do you, I guess, reconcile all of that with faith? And so you've written a book. It's called Deconstructing a Disciple's Doubt. And my guest today, Jason, is actually Dr. Jason Lee McKinney, who's a professor. And so you say intellectually, you've had your own doubts. Yeah. And you've seen other people. So if someone's watching right now and let's say it's, it's a big church hurt, and we know that some really large things can happen. Yeah. And they're horrific. And sometimes people can walk through them and they know that Jesus is their Lord and Savior and they stick with that. And others are just like, man, if that's God, I'll, I just would rather not. Mm-hmm. What do you do? Well, I think there's a couple things. When it comes to suffering, uh, we assume certain things that one, if God were good, he could take away all of the suffering mm-hmm. in the world. And he could if he didn't give humans free will. Yeah. But he gives us choices. And so there's this category of, of suffering that is caused by other people. And church hurt fits that category. God gave that church leaders or whoever wasn't in the church a choice as well. And one of God's gifts to us is our free will that we can choose. But in order for him to give us that gift, we also have to be able to choose bad. So you think about Adam and Eve in the garden. When he said, don't eat of the tree, that was the first time God really gave humanity a choice. And so, because I've heard before people say, well, why did God even put that tree in the garden? Exactly. Why did he put it there if he knew they were going to choose that? But it is a gift to have free will. We have the choice. And because of that, we can develop things like courage. If there's nothing to be afraid of, how can you be brave? If, uh, how can you be compassionate if no one suffers? Yeah. How can you develop, um, like I said, if, if there's all these things, they all have these like sort of uh, negative and positive side of thing, but you need the the old thing with the clams. You know, they have a pearl because there's sand that's <laughs> right. agitating that's them. That's right, it's And you irritant. can't get that. Yeah. yeah, the irritant has to be there for you to develop. Mm-hmm. And so I think we see suffering as always negative, but when you're talking about God, suffering is not necessarily negative. I can relate it as a parent that um, my I have a nine-year-old who is a drummer and he's a basketball player. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. 
Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Well, uh, he's working on a, a drum beat now. He's really, like, he's a prodigy. He's okay. incredibly good. Uh, but he's working on a drum beat now that's, like, college-level stuff. But he came up to me crying yesterday, and he's like, I can't get it. And I'm like, you just got to slow it down. You have to keep going. But what I didn't do is remove it from him. I didn't say, okay, well, then don't worry about it. Mm. But what I said is you got to slow it down. you got to be patient. There's a reason for it. You can do it. I'm here to encourage you. As his father, I love him. I encourage him. But I don't always remove it. And one of the big things, C.S. Lewis said this, is we often mistake kindness for love. And kindness is always a part of love, but love is much more severe because love expects something. It wants something for the object that it loves. It wants the best. And when you want the best for someone, that doesn't always mean giving in and being kind. My my child always wants candy. (laughs) And sometimes I Good give him kid. candy. Yeah. Sometimes I give him candy, but right. sometimes I say, no, you have to eat carrots. Does that mean I'm unloving? No. From his perspective, I might be. Yep. But from my perspective is I want the best for him. Yep. And so yep. with suffering, God allows suffering because there's good in it. There's good mm. that can come from it. Yes. Yes. And I can look at seasons of my life that I think where I suffered the most. And those are always the seasons where I grew the most. Mm -hmm. I wish it wasn't like that though, Jason. I wish that isn't how it worked, but it is. So you're saying that kind of it's a perspective, like we assume a lot Mm -hmm. that if we get any kind of suffering, that that's God being mean to us. Right. Hmm. All right. So what kinds of things do you help us with in the book to walk us through because these are some hard things that we're talking about. They are. And, and with suffering, I take a few approaches. One is that first thing I talk about. It's called a soul-making theodicy, which basically, for me to be have courage, there has to be something to be afraid of. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is, uh, and this is from Thomas Aquinas, so going way back to the uh-huh. Middle Ages, talks about we can only know God by analogy. So mm-hmm. you and I love and we have love as an attribute that you add to us. But God is simple, not in the, not in a Forrest Gump kind of simple, (laughs) but in a, he is indivisible. And so when God is love, God is love, whatever love is, it is him. And so for us to say the sort of the three divine attributes, you know, if God is all powerful, if God is all knowing, and if God is all good, then he wouldn't allow X, Y, Z. He wouldn't allow cancer. He wouldn't allow. Mm -hmm. And I say cancer because my father died of cancer. So I I have experience with it. Yeah. But we are not in a position to know, even by that, by describing it, all-knowing. I'm not all-knowing. No. I'm not all-powerful, and I'm not all-good. So it's a little bit disingenuous of us to say that we would know what a good God would and wouldn't do. You're right, because it's like judging God. Right. Right. We're putting ourselves in the position of God. Like, 
if I was God, that isn't what I would do, right? Because right. we don't want little children to get hurt. I mean, there are so many things that are just so hard for us to understand this side of heaven. And for me, I'm, I just tell myself, I just need to stop thinking about that. I have to entrust this to God because it's too large for me to understand. I don't, I don't see all sides of it. And I'm able to do that. But some people have a harder time mm-hmm. doing that and walk away. Right. So if someone's kind of in that thinking process, what are some anchors that they can put around them to help them deal with their doubts and not walk away? Yeah, for me, and this is what I've done, personal mm-hmm. experience, I have to roll it back and go, okay, well, scientists think that there was a Big Bang and there was these pellets of gas and matter there. Okay, but what put those there? Yeah. <laughs> And they just go, I don't know. And so what's more likely that this universe began mm-hmm. and expanded? And the math is, I put the math in the book. I don't have it memorized. The, the universe had to expand at such a rate yeah. and then had to slow down. And everything had to be perfect in order to support life and for it not to collapse on itself. And so I look at it and go, what is more likely that there was a God there? And so that's one step. Yeah. So there must be a God. Well, then did this God reveal himself to humanity or not? And all other religions are about getting to God, getting to be good enough. Mm-hmm. And you go back and you look at Jesus and you just sort of roll it back yeah. for me and going, okay, well, then there must be a God. I think he did reveal himself to us because he, he reveals did. himself in nature. We can look at the stars and go, there's got to be something mm-hmm. bigger. And then there's actually specific revelation like of Jesus that he died for our sins yes. and that he came to meet us. We couldn't meet him. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, if there is a God and he did reveal himself and he revealed himself in Jesus, well, now I'm right back to where I was. And then I have to rely on the fact of going, okay, I wouldn't understand what this God I worship would do or wouldn't do. Just like my child doesn't understand always what I do. No, our children don't always understand our decisions. We've got to take a break, though. We want you to stay with us. When we come back today on Bridges, we'll talk more about dealing with doubt. Don't miss another episode of Bridges. Subscribe to our YouTube channel today where you can find all of Monica's latest teachings. Just visit youtube.com, search Monica Schmelter, and click subscribe. Once subscribed, click the bell icon to get notified when a new episode is available. Thanks for watching Bridges. Join the Bridges community on Facebook. Visit Facebook and search for Bridges with Monica. We would love to connect with you. If you want to grow your faith and understand God's Word more fully, then MonicaSchmelter.com might be just the place for you. You'll find all of Monica's teachings on demand, complete with online extras. Get started today because truth changes everything. Today on Bridges, Dr. Jason Lee McKinney is my guest, and we're talking about dealing with doubt. And Jason is a professor and a musical artist and a man of faith who has his own doubts like most of us do sometimes. And you were saying, Jason, that part of what you do when doubts come your way is what you call rolling it back. You start thinking about what it takes to believe that in the Big Bang Theory right. and how really unlikely all of that is. Mm. I mean, it takes a lot of faith 
to believe that there was a big bang and that everything happened just perfectly and right yeah for me even, it's even if you can see the leap if you even can see the big bang what put that there right it's not actually a stopping point no you know? no it's like cuz you start with something that already happened so if you roll that back you can't so right. for me it seems i just believe that in the beginning god mm-hmm. and for me that's that's just what i stick with and so you were talking about how sometimes dealing with doubt or when doubts creep in and we don't deal with them, many times the root can be disappointment on some level. And then people start kind of accumulating doubt, mm-hmm. but don't think about the evidence for faith. Right. Can we talk about that? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things I, I challenge people is doubt everything. I think that's a positive thing, mm-hmm. but especially doubt your doubt. Aha. <laughs> so we should doubt our faith. I think it's a positive, healthy thing. That's how, you know, in Acts 17, it talks about Paul reasoning with the Athenians. Mm-hmm. And so using reasoning and thinking through things isn't a negative, but especially doubt your doubt. Because we can lie to ourselves very easily. And we do. We do, yeah. All the time. And and there are things like people assume because somebody's really smart or they got a bunch of letters under, you know, on the back of their name. They must know more than us and they stop thinking. So when I hear, you know, there's all the famous atheists um, mm-hmm. around and they'll say, well, we know we're alone in the universe. Well, whether you believe in a God like me or you believe in aliens, just look at that knowledge wise. We don't know that. No, we don't know we've that. Got some, we do not. We've got some telescopes and we've been to the moon. <laughs> so I don't know that we know that, you know. And so then you have to go with what is more likely that all of this, you know, we've only explored a tiny little, even with a telescope, tiny little corner of a universe that is so far beyond us. Mm-hmm. And so you have that, but when it talks about the personal hurt, you have to acknowledge the hurt. Mm-hmm. You have to acknowledge that the hurt came from somewhere, maybe somewhere that you thought was a source of God, but that doesn't mean you look at like people in the Bible, Moses was a murderer. Yeah. You know, uh, Peter at times was a coward. It, it, it just because a person represents a position of of being a spokesperson for God mm-hmm. doesn't mean they always represent him clearly. Right. And that if <laughs> when dealing with doubts, right, we don't want to put our faith completely in people right. either. I mean, because say, well, I don't have faith to believe in God. I walk away from church. But you just put your faith in a person who probably has acknowledged that they're just a person. Right. And there are lots of all kinds of fallen characters in the Bible that we learn about. And they, they were people of great faith. Right. They're mentioned in Hebrews 11, right. heralded in the hall of faith. And I think God still commended them for their faith, despite their poor behavior. Um, and I'm a person of faith, but I can readily admit on many occasions, I have very poor behavior. Even after knowing the Lord for years, right. I still have to repent. So I wouldn't want anyone to completely trust me. Because I'm a human being. Right. Right. And so that that personal hurt, I think acknowledging that it's real is Mm -hmm. important. Uh, But then also thinking through, does that really indict God? Is God complicit in that? Or going back to if that human who hurt me had free will, are they responsible for that? And so now I have the choice of what to do. Do I blame God for it or do, do I blame the person and then say, but you know what? 
I'm also capable of that. In this situation, I was the one to blame. And having the humility to say, okay, I've been, and this is what I say, I go through the last chapter of my book is about personal experiences. And there's, I outline three. Uh, One is my salvation experience. One is uh, one of church hurt. And then one is one where I was the villain. I was the bad guy. I was the one that made the mistake. I was the one, and to admit that and go, maybe the villain is me. And should I really be mad at God or should I be mad at myself? And the great thing is beyond that, once I admit it, there's grace and there's forgiveness that Jesus offers us. So we don't have to carry that around forever and we don't have to be mad at God about it. In fact, we go to him for the forgiveness that we seek. Yes. And I think you just said something so important. If we can be in our dealing with doubt, I think self-aware enough to say, okay, you know, if it is a personal hurt or church hurt, have I ever done wrong to anyone? Absolutely, yes. Have I ever told a lie on anyone? Yes, I have. You know, and I wouldn't want people to put all their faith in me, and so I need to be cognizant not to do that to others. And when others fail, uh, whether they ask me for forgiveness or they don't, to forgive them, to give them grace, and to realize God is still God. But I think the whole thing with the difference between dangerous deconstruction or what I call dangerous deconstruction, where you walk away from faith and dealing with doubt and that dealing with that, we really deal with it. Mm -hmm. And in dangerous deconstruction, we just get hurt or whatever and walk away. And for me as a person of faith, I think that could be super dangerous for a person. Yeah. I mean, one of the the biggest flaws in it is you're leaving a worldview where you can't make all the pieces fit perfectly mm-hmm. because we're humans. That's not an indictment on God. It, they do all fit perfectly. We can't see it because right. we're the ones that just don't have, we're not in the position. Yeah. Like I said, we're not all powerful, all knowing, all good. So we can't see it. And you're leaving another and you're going towards another worldview. And then that's not going to fit all together either. Mm-mm. And in fact, not only does it not all fit together, but at least with a person of faith, it doesn't all fit together but you have an answer for why and you have an answer for who. When you leave that, it doesn't all fit together and then it leads denialism. It's just despair. There's no reason for all of it. Right. And then, right, depression, all, all kinds of other things. You know, for me, I say, okay, so I have God, right? And I know him to be of good character. And as a person of faith, I have the promise of heaven where I believe he will make all things right. Mm -hmm. So I look at all of this brokenness and hurt and all of that as a temporary situation that someday for anyone who believes there'll be eternity with Christ and we won't deal with these things anymore. So that's a tremendous promise for me to look forward to. Now, I know as a college professor, uh, Jason, you mentioned this, that sometimes students just feel like they have no intellectual grounds at all for their faith. And so they just walk away or don't say anything. Mm -hmm. Is there an intellectual grounds for faith? Absolutely. Like I said, we're not, I say this in the book, we're not dealing with provability. I cannot prove God exists. We're talking about plausibility and probability. And I really thoroughly believe that people of faith stand on more solid ground than atheists. Oh, I do too. And then as we go along, I think Christians stand on more solid ground than any other religion. Um, So once we give up the provability, I can't prove it. Well, we can't prove it to anybody. How could I prove it? And in fact, I don't think God wants it that way. If he could prove it, if we could be certain, then where's faith? Right. I don't have to be 
you know, I don't have to be proven that I'm here. I can feel it. I can touch well, it. I'm here. Exactly. Uh, but God wants faith. But as far as the evidence, there's an overwhelming amount of evidence. We talked about the Big Bang. That one of the other things about the evidence for God is just in the way that we humans love. We are not utilitarian in our love. Otherwise, why do we not just put the elderly out? You know, right. when times of crisis and in war, why do we not just get rid of children? Why is it so appalling when children die? Because we know this is not right. Exactly. This is not how it's supposed to be. Because we're born, right? It, when someone lies to me, it feels awful. Why? Why? Because we long for the truth. Right. And he is the truth. And so we have so many evidences, I think, of just how we're made as human beings that point to an almighty God, an all-knowing God. And then I think, you know, as we read his word and as we pray, my expectation is no longer that he answers all my prayers the way I pray, right? It's to learn more about him. It's to grow in my faith. It's to mature. And if we take that track I think we can grow closer to him and be more and more convinced, as convinced as I am of sitting with you in this room. Mm. That's how convinced I am that God exists. Yeah. And I think as far as like intellectual evidence, a lot of there's this big talk about truth now. Yeah. And so I think on one side you hear that like truth is objective. Right. It's always objective. And the other side you see is like, oh, truth is all subjective. Mm -hmm. It's it's both, which actually glorifies God more. There is an objective reality. There's a, there's a world out there that we, you and I share. Yes. But we are both subjective selves. We are individuals. So I can look at that flower and say that it's purple. And mm-hmm. you may say it's red. Mm-hmm. And we're both telling the truth. Yes, we are. Now, objectively, it, it's one way or the other. But mm-hmm. we can see it differently. But here's the thing. So who knows the whole truth? Only an omnipotent, omniscient Holy good being could know that. So if you want to know the whole truth, it is required that you lean to God for the whole truth. Yes. And none of us know, regardless of how long that we've served the Lord, we don't know everything about God. I've studied his word, but I don't know everything about his word. I'm still studying. I'm still learning. So he is the truth. Right. (laughs) But I don't know him completely yet. Right. I mean, I'm completely surrendered to him. You know what I mean? But I don't know... Him all-knowing, I don't know everything that he knows, but I believe that he exists. Right. And that's Aquinas says that we know God by analogy. And analogy, the great thing about analogies are they are true to a point, and then they stop relating. And that's how we are. When we love, there is like, there's a part of that that is very similar to how God loves, but then it'll fail because we don't love perfectly. Mm -hmm. And when we are happy, we are happy like the joy God gives us. But then at a certain point, it'll fail. Mm-hmm. It's enough of a likeness that it's real. And yes. we know we want more of it. Yes, we but do. we're only going to get all of it when we're re- reunited with him in heaven. Exactly. And I think that if we can set our expectations, because that's what the Bible says, right? I, I mean, it, it doesn't promise that everything's going to be perfect here. We're promised that in heaven. Right. Um, but here on earth, we're going to have trials and tribulations and things that make us uh, doubt and all those things. But I thank you so much uh, for coming today, Jason, and taking the time to talk to us about dealing with our doubt. It's a passion of mine. And I really want to encourage believers that you do have solid grounds to stand on intellectually and even personally that God loves you so much. And your hurt is not an indictment on his lack of love, but he's the one that wants to love you through it. Yeah, he So is. thank you for having me. Yeah, and thank you. 
Stay tuned. Monica will be right back. Don't give in. God's word says you're an overcomer. It takes training. It takes discipline. And so when you're fighting that good fight of the faith, you take your story, whatever it is, and you saturate it in faith and you fight for it. Visit monicaschmelter.com to schedule Monica to speak at your next event. If you want to grow your faith and understand God's word more fully, then monicaschmelter.com might be just the place for you. You'll find all of Monica's teachings on demand, complete with online extras. Get started today because truth changes everything. Most of the time, we can walk in faith and every once in a while we may have some doubts. But as we talked about today on Bridges, what's most important is dealing with our doubts and to deal with our doubts in a biblical way and to keep God in the equation. We all go through trials in which we don't understand what's happening, why it's happening, but in the middle of that, even in the middle of doubt, we can trust him. Just like the man in the book of Luke said to Jesus, I believe, help me with my unbelief. If we're honest, we, most of us, have some places of doubt at least once in a while. But if we will continue to acknowledge Christ and invite him in our journey, he will show himself to us and prove himself faithful time and time again. I'm out of time, but I'll see you next time right here on Bridges where we bring you hope for the journey every day. Is life feeling chaotic? I get it. I'm Rachel Wojo, host of the Untangling Life podcast. Don't miss the passionate encouragement and faith-based resources you need to help you clear your head and calm your heart. As Shell says, it feels like Rachel always knows what I need to hear. She keeps it real and is so humble. Her podcast is just the cherry on top. Enjoy Untangling Life with Rachel Wojo on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast app now.